This morning we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 3, and I, I just I want to launch right in uh, into what we're talking about this morning. As a pastor, I have to ask myself a question, and that is, are the things that, uh, do the things that I do, does, does the way that I lead, does it matter or does it flatter you? Uh, does it really matter in our city? Does it really matter in your home? Does it really create change, or is it simply flattering you? Is it simply telling you what you want to hear? Is it simply telling you uh, how you want to hear it? Or is it truly, as Paul's going to say here, is it built on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because th there are, th those are two true paths. Because as, as pastors, we're pulled in so many different directions. And the, the direction is this, is, is, is do, I, do I build my platform and, and pray for lots of followers? Or am I building the only platform that matters or building upon the only foundation that matters? And that's through Jesus Christ because uh, one will get you lots of followers and the other one might get you killed. One will get you lots of people saying that you're great and the other one could get you lots of people who say you stink. And, you know, I, just, I was thinking through this last song, and something just broke my heart in the middle of that. Um, I won't go into it right now, but I just was thinking through that, and I just was thinking about how, like, are you uh, a believer that could sit and say, like, it is well with my soul when, when life comes crashing down? Like, and... and the only, the only thing that would make the difference there, I believe, is this, is that um, ha have we taught what matters or have we taught what flatters? Have, have, have we taught you? Have you been teaching yourself? Have, have you been led in such a way with things that actually matter or, or have they been with things that, that are flattering you? Because one's going to... One's gonna, possibly make you feel like, man, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not in that place. I'm not quite there yet. And that would be what matters. I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet, but Jesus is. And the flattering one says, you know, you're there. You just got to reach inside of you. You're going to have your best life now. Every day is going to be a Friday for you. And it's going to be amazing. So there's just two different ways that we could lead here. And I think what's tough about the passage that we're going to go through, because my heart is so much for, uh, I, I am definitely for the believer, but my, my heart is securely fixed in a vision for our city that says this, that we want to be understood by the person who comes in and is not a believer. We want to be understood. And so when you leave, I want you to be able to leave with something that is for your life as a believer. But I also want the person who is an unbeliever to go home and say, maybe there is something to this God. But the thing about this, this passage is that what's so, I, and I just have to talk about it because I've just been wrestling with it. 
Is that, and what I've been wrestling with is like, but I want to speak to the uh, non-believer so much, and this passage doesn't feel like it speaks to the non-believer, and, I, and I'm going after that, and I'm going after that, and I feel this immense pressure as a pastor. There's a lot of pa- uh, pressure as a pastor, and I don't know if you know that or not, to, to be good and, and to have people like your sermons. And stuff. I'm like, no one's going to like it. Everyone's going to hate me, and, and uh, whatever, and... What I found out is that, like, when I'm, when I can't figure out a passage, you know what's going on? I suck. All right, that's I'm the problem. I'm I'm the issue. I'm the I'm the problem. And you know what my problem is? Is that I want to flatter you. Truly, in my heart, like as as a person who's a pastor who's speaking in front of you, I still have that. I'm still human, and I want to flatter you. And instead of giving you what matters, I want to flatter. But, I, but I, I have a sneaking suspicion, and that is that your life is, is, is similar. That your life is similar and that oftentimes you and I are trying to build our identity on something other than the foundation of Jesus Christ. And what's happening is this, is that we're trying to find anything that will show us identity. And you have the same problem that I do, and all of us are interconnected through this, through this issue. That we, come, let us build a name for ourselves. In Genesis chapter 11, I'm just studying this uh, in seminary right now, a, a couple classes ago, and what really stood out to me is like, man, the Tower of Babel, I don't know if, if you know this story or not, but in Genesis, it's, it's talking about the beginnings of the world. It's talking about the beginnings of life as we know it, as the Bible communicates that. And it's going through this whole storyline, and it goes from Adam and Eve, and then it goes uh, through Noah, and then it, it comes to this Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel is really about this. Like, these people come together, they're all speaking the same language, and they say, come, let us make a name for ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let's build this tower. We're going to build this sweet tower. It's going to be super tall. Like the girls are going to see it. They're going to be like, wow, those guys are amazing. And then, I mean, other people are going to say like, wow, that was, that took an incredible investment. Can't believe you had so much money. And they're like, yes, we know, we know. Let's build a name for ourselves. But when you look back through Genesis, especially in the garden, do you know what was said there? You could make a name for yourselves. You could be like God. You could, you could be the one. You could be it. Let's make a name for ourselves. And that's really the issue with all of us. Like I said with me, as a pastor, it's come, Matt, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's make a name for myself. Let's build our platform. Let's make sure our Twitter feed and our Facebook feed and all of these things are, 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 are going well. Till I, I got to the point where I'm like, I'm just not going to do that. My wife is a prolific Facebooker and Instagrammer. And, uh, and I, I just sh- shouldn't even try with that. But that's so much of what people get involved with. It's like, I, I need to make a name for myself. I need to put myself out there. I need people to see what I'm doing and to see the uh, idea that I'm projecting of myself. And every single one of us suffers from this. And then, do you know what happens? It comes into the church. It comes into the church to where people who are supposed to be about the things of God are really not about the things of God. They're about the things of this world. And it creates division. It creates fighting. It creates gossip. It creates trash talk. It creates rivalries. It creates 
people in community groups that say, I don't really like these people. I don't really fit with them. I'm going to go find something else. It creates people who say, you know, I just, I just need to find something that, that meets my needs as if you are the ultimate decision maker in that when the scriptures clearly say the heart is deceitful above all else. And what you don't know and what you refuse to believe is that your heart is lying to you. And, what, and sometimes you need to be with people that you dislike. So don't think for a second that somehow this has not infiltrated into our church. Don't think for a second that this is somehow, that you're immune from this. And like this, oh, those crazy Corinthians, you know, like everybody's got a crazy uncle. Like there's always a crazy church somewhere, you know, it's out there somewhere. No, it's like, well, I'm a crazy Corinthian. You're a crazy Corinthian. And you know, we're bringing that stuff into our church and we're saying like this, like this is really what matters. And really, it's not what matters. And our preferences are, are getting in the way. And we treat the church as though it is a purveyor of goods and services that is here to provide for my needs. Now, I want to stop right there for a second because I want to say this. Like you're somebody who's here and you're investigating God. The church is a purveyor of goods and services for you. That's what we're, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And so should we that know Jesus. And our, so our life is poured out for people that don't know Jesus, not because we're trying to force something down their throat or change something about them that we think is really sinful, but because we believe this, that the foundational premise of their life can be on nothing else but on Jesus Christ. Their identity cannot be rooted in their job or their marriage or, or, any, or their sexuality or anything else in life. Like their identity, their true identity must be rooted in Jesus Christ. And this is the thing that brings about the greatest level of satisfaction. It is the thing, it is the only thing that will truly satisfy your soul because you were made for Jesus. You were made for a relationship with God. And what Paul is going to say to us here is he's going to say, uh, there is a community destruction project going on. You've heard of community building projects? This is a community destruction project. And every single one of us in this room, if you're a believer here today, you need to recognize this, that you are actively involved on a regular basis, as I am, in the community demolition project of this church. And the question that we have to ask is, how am I tearing apart the church of Jesus Christ? How am I tearing apart this church? Everyone has to ask that question. And I, I'm, I'm not, we're not looking at other people right now, okay? Don't nudge anybody. Don't look at your husband and say, oh, yeah, you know what you did. Every single one of us needs to recognize this. Let's, let's look at the scriptures. The, so Paul has, has just been kind of laying out uh, quite a few things here. He's used an agricultural um, example and he's essentially said that when you look at the leaders and you say, like, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, I follow this person, you're bringing that worldly mindset into the church. And what you need to see is that you, the church, are God's field, and I am simply an agricultural worker here hoeing the field, all right? And so when you look at God's field and you say, oh, look at that guy hoeing the field, like, he's, he's incredible at that, like, that's ridiculous, and so what he's going into here is he says in verse 9 of chapter 3 in 1 Corinthians, he says, for we are God's fellow workers. 
you are God's field, and now he's going to turn a corner just a little bit, and he's going to go from the metaphor of the field, and now he's going to go to the metaphor of the building. You are God's field. You are God's building, okay? So then he says this, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, uh, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will, will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he, he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Now, Paul has been just expounding on this for some time now, and he's essentially been telling them over and over again, you're bringing in this worldly point of view, it's tearing apart the church, but here he lays out some very specific things. And what he's going to say here is, first of all, uh, you're building on the wrong foundation. You're building on the wrong foundation. That the, the people that you're looking to, you're expecting them to be the foundational principle of your life, and you're expecting them to be the person that's going to be everything to you. Now, I mentioned this just briefly, like the pressure that's on a pastor. Let me just tell you this. Let's just get the, you know, it's kind of an elephant in the room, but in other ways, it's not. Like, you have no idea the amount of pressure that a pastor is under. I love my job, but here's the thing. The pressure from the congregation exerted on the minister, on top of a sinful minister, is a really bad uh, scenario because of this. You want me to be really good and to tickle your fancy in some way and to, and to tell you great things and to say, you're awesome and you're going to do fantastic. And I am somebody who is also sinful, like I said, and I'm somebody who wants to build my platform and I want people to follow me because that's what I do right? And so I give into that pressure and say, oh, that's right. That's true. And you know what it does to pastors? Blows them up. It just blows the thing up. Eventually, something's going to break, and it does all the time. You see these high-profile breakdowns in people on a regular basis, how they continually, on a regular basis, these pastors, how they, they fall apart. Their lives fall apart, and they begin to become people who are uh, continually uh, kind of falling down. In fact, I'm thinking of one pastor some time ago who wrote this book that was specifically about um, how Jesus is everything. And then it, it turns out that his life was really not built on Jesus. And he comes back to say 
that basically my life really wasn't on Jesus. It was on building my platform. It was on people in my congregation thinking that I'm really good and thinking that I'm a, a, a really great preacher and all of that. And what eventually ended up happening is this, is that he spun out his life. He's just devastated. I talk to friends of mine all the time, and, and there's this incredible pressure on them. And I'm telling you this for a reason, so I'm hoping that you're listening. Whether you stay at this church, whether you go to another church, you need to understand something. Like, pastors are under so much pressure, and th this pressure is causing them such great grief until I talk to my, my friends, and they're saying, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just dying because I'm trying to meet everybody's needs. And everybody is, is, is really wanting me uh, to serve them. And I want to serve them too because they're really great guys. But they also try to be people's savior. And eventually it wears on them and it wears on them and it wears on them as they try to be Jesus. And to the point where they're, they're, they're just at nothing. And sometimes guys get to a place where they say, I just want out of this thing and I want to spin out my life so that... I don't have to continue doing this. And I want you to know that I'm not in that place. And I'll tell you why. It's because I have a fantastic wife. Well, first of all, I have a fantastic Lord and Savior, all right? But I have a fantastic wife who loves me immensely. I have fantastic elders, men who are around, around me and who are over me and who have given me time that I need this summer, they were generous with me. I mean, for years, I had spent time building the church, lots of long hours. And so I asked this summer, I said, could I, instead of taking time off, could I just build my house? And so I'll, I'll be building my house, and then I'll come and preach, and I'll build my house, and I'll come and preach. And they generously gave that to me. And, but you know what that did for me? It let me have this sense of, like, I am not, the sum total of Matt is not a pastor. I'm a family man and I'm building my house. And I get to spend this time with the people that are coming to help with me or with my family or what have you. And it, it, it caused such great relief because the sum total of me is not the things that I'm doing for God, but it's being with God. It's, 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 it's having a relationship with Him. In spite of just being a pastor, I'm not just a pastor, I'm a child of God. And when I forget that, that's when things start to fall apart. That's when things start to break. But, I, but you need to know something, that this is not something that, it is, it, that is exclusive towards pastors. That this is something, that the pressure that you could put on yourself as you try to build your platform and as you try to make a name for yourself, like you can be somebody who says, like I, the only thing that matters is how I see success. And the things that I, I, I want to have happen in my life, as long as those things take place, then, then I'm okay. As long as I have fulfillment in the way that I deem fulfillment, I'm okay. But the problem with that is that eventually it spins out your life. You may get what you want for a time, but you may lose everything. You may lose your soul. So Paul is, is saying here, he says, we're God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. And he says in verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me. Just stop right there for a second and just say, uh, the apostle Paul is incredibly humble and he, he has a level of humility that you and I both need. And his level of hum humility says, says this, according to the, God, the grace of God given to me. 
Like what God has given me, I, I have been able to serve the church in these particular ways. Like God's grace in my life. So let's stop right there. This wasn't even supposed to be a point. I was, I was reading through the story of, of Joseph with my kids in, in Genesis. And the thing that really stuck out to me is that repeatedly it says this, the Lord was with him and God gave him favor and God gave him favor. And so you know what the scriptures are trying to say? They're trying to say this, like your favor, the grace in your life, the things that you have, they did not come from you. They came by the grace of God, your skills and abilities, the finances that you have, the relationships that you have, and even the difficulties that you have in life are from the grace of God. God's grace is being expressed to you every day as he brings rain. Yes, and it's flooding in some ways, but he's watering the grass that you walk on, and that is water that you will drink eventually. So he says, according to the grace of God given me, like a skilled master builder, Just stop right there. Like a skilled master builder. Um, In some ways, that seems like it is a little bit arrogant because he says, like a skilled master builder, I put this thing together. I kind of manufactured this thing. Now, what Paul is saying, he's saying, like somebody who knows what they're doing, like somebody who's skilled in putting things together, I laid a foundation. And he's saying, I'm laying this foundation and, I, and I'm telling you what matters. And again, what, what they're saying back to him, but we want to be flattered by these great leaders around us. We want to put them up on this pedestal so that we can knock them down eventually. But he says, I told you what matters. And I told you in a very skillful way. And I laid a foundation that you need in your life. I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. And what he's saying, he's minimizing the role of the leader, of the head pastor. He's saying, I laid a foundation, someone else is building upon it. You know what happens in our church? I lay a foundation on Sunday morning. I set the pace as the lead pastor. Jesus is our senior pastor. The elders keep me in check. They talk to me about my sermons. I ask them for advice. But I lay a foundation along with the other elders. We, I, I should say we lay a foundation. And you know what takes place after that? Your community group leader builds on that foundation. But you know what often happens? I don't really need that. I don't, I don't, really, I don't really need a, a community group. I don't really need to be a part of that. But, but that is to, to say that somehow I don't need to be a part of this building. But Paul is saying, I laid a foundation. Someone else is building upon that foundation. And that happens throughout our church. It, it, it begins with me and with the elders, and then it flows down from there as we end up being people who are pouring into other people. There's other people who are building on this foundation. And do you know what, why else this is great? Is that, like, I, I, again, I'll say, I did not come to you with skillful language or eloquent wisdom or anything like that. I didn't start as a preacher that was fantastic on on this level, but my greatest hope is that if tomorrow I lose a passion for what's going on, and and I just go, you know what, I don't think God has me here anymore, and I should step down. My greatest hope, or let's just say I walk outside, I get hit by the train that's coming by eventually, and I'm dead, and I'm gone. Who's taking over? You know what? There's 10 guys in this place that can help oversee. It's not dependent on Matt. 
But when you make it about Matt, and if, if somehow that's in your mind, and I don't know why on earth you would, let's just be honest here. But if you make it about Matt, my name is Matt, by the way, I don't know if I introduced myself, so good to meet you. But if you make it about me, when sorrows like sea billows roll, you will not say it is well because it wasn't about the foundation of Jesus Christ. You will say that it was about the foundation of Matt. And when Matt's gone, your life in Christ is gone. And that's not good. It cannot be dependent on me. And the Apostle Paul is saying there's other people who are building on it. And then he says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. So now we're, we're turning the spotlight upon the church, the congregants, all of us together. He says, I, this is what I've been doing, and now I'm going to say to you that now let, let each one of us, each one of you, all of us together, take care on how we're going to build upon this foundation. So he says, how are you building on the foundation that I laid out? Let each one of us take care. How's that working in your life? How are you building that up? Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Let's just get that clear. The way that we say that here, it, 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 it can be losing some of its steam as a term because it, it's possibly been overused, but we call it uh, gospel centrality. The gospel is the story of Jesus Christ. And the reason why he went to the cross, how he intentionally went to the cross for all those who would believe. And when he went to the cross, what happened was this, is that he determined that he would take on the sins of the world for anyone who believes. And when that took place, what happened was that anyone who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the story of the gospel. So we call it gospel centrality. That's what Paul is saying right here. He's saying... He's saying no one can lay any other foundation than that. Now, some of us believe this. Some of you have been in the church for a long time. Maybe you haven't been around here. And one of the things that you've gotten wrong is this, is that, like, I know the secret knock, right? I figured out how to get into the door. I know, I, I know how to, I, I asked Jesus into my heart. I prayed a prayer. I did, I did whatever. I know the secret knock, and so I got in, and now I'm in, and now I move on to something else. I move on to something greater than talking about the gospel. But what Paul is saying here is he's saying the foundational principle of the church, the only thing that there is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you miss that, you miss everything. It's not just the beginning of the Christian life. It goes throughout the entirety of of the Christian life. So what does this look like? It looks like this. When I built my house as I was building the foundation and remodeling things, I wanted to add a second story to it. And what that did is it created lots of uh, engineering nightmares. And so the engineer came back and he said this. He said, you need to put two gigantic footings in the middle of your house. And so I, along with my wife and a couple of other guys at different times, dug through uh, two and a half feet of shale. And if you know what shale is, it's very hard dirt, uh, a soft rock, not like 
smooth jazz, soft rock, but like, like soft, soft rock. Like in any case, you had to chisel through it. And so we had to chisel down. We had to get down into this thing. We had to dig this five by five by two foot, two foot four, I should say, uh, footings. And what went in the middle of that was a hold down. And on that hold down went a, a big bracket that was bolted in to a four by six that's connected to a bunch of other bolts that then has a wall on top of it with uh, plywood on top uh, uh, next to that that goes up through the second floor and all the way up to the roof. And you know what that does? So my engineer says, it holds the house down. And it also costs a lot of money. I don't know if you know that or not, but uh, those are expensive things, and we'll never see it again. It's, it's very disappointing, but, but I'll know that it's there, so that, that'll be nice, right? It's the foundational principle of the house, that that foundation is not secure without these hold-downs. What's holding your life down? Number one. Number two, what are you building on that foundation? Do you have the right foundation? Do you have the right foundation? And then secondly, do you have the right materials? This is what Paul's going to say to them. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, costly, uh, uh, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Now, I, I just I want to stop right here and just say this sounds like uh, you better do it right or I'm going to burn you, right? Uh, <laughs> it's going to get hot in here, all right? Uh, don't, don't, don't think about that song right now, right? All right, this is church. I got to hold it together right now, so... What he's saying is this. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about reward. Salvation is one aspect of us being with God and having a relationship with him. The second aspect is this, is that each one will be rewarded according to how he's done his work, according to what materials he has used. And Paul is saying that some people are going to build on this foundation and they're going to they're going to bring up all this this crud and they're going to be like, "Oh, look at look at all of this." But you know what the problem with that is? It's common materials. It's wood, hay, straw. I think the NIV says stubble. It's like I I I I picked up some junk and I and I gave it to God and I, you know, it's the best that I could do. It's, it's, it's the best that I could do. It's, it's common things. It's what the world thinks is right. It's like business practices. The church should, in some senses, be run like a business. We should be accountable for the finances that come in. That We should use good financial uh, guiding systems. But at the end of the day, we're not a business. And so we don't bring in common things and, and growth strategies that threaten the foundation that is Jesus Christ. But what he's saying is he's, he's saying this. He's saying, like, there's two ways that you can build. You can build with things that are costly, or you can build with things that are common. Because our, our world says this. Like, I, I was reading a uh, blog post or some type of a page uh, recently that basically said, I don't even know why churches get a uh, nonprofit designation from the government so we don't have to pay taxes. Uh, I personally... Uh, 
you know, am responsible for my portion of taxes, but, but the church does not pay taxes on the finances that come in to the church. That's a benefit to you because all of the dollars that you give go towards uh, this. But people are saying, you know, the church really shouldn't get this nonprofit designation because it doesn't really do as much for the community um, as, say, like a charitable organization. Well, that's just to completely misunderstand uh, what's, what's, what the church is for. The church is not necessarily a charity. The church is not necessarily to be run like a charity. Now, there are aspects of charitable giving and things of that nature that have to be stuck to, but in another way, we're not here simply uh, for social activism or social justice. That's an example of common things being used to build on this foundation. Well, we got Jesus. Let's throw some social activism on there. You got Jesus with a little bit of social activism, or we've got all kinds of things. Tell you what, let's add emotional experiences. Let's let everyone have an emotional experience. Let's make sure that's, that it's emotional. Let's make sure that the spirit uh, of God can move in here uh, through the smoke machines and things like that that we have and the, the lasers in the, in the room. You know, people think, people think that somehow like an emotional experience is what I need, and that's, that's got to be where it's at. That's taking common materials, and it's putting it on the foundation of Jesus, and it's saying, like, that's the thing that I need. I need an emotional experience. That's when I feel fed, right? That's when I feel good about this. Or th- sometimes people can say, take these uh, focuses on different doctrines and things, and they can say, you know what, that's the thing that I want to be on, the most. I want to be on that doctrine. I want to, I, I'm totally into demon possession and casting out demons. And it gets to the point where it's just like, hey, you know that Jesus exists, right? Now, stop talking about demons all the time, right? Let's start talking about Jesus and less about demons. It's taking common things and it's putting it on the foundation. Here's another way of looking at it. It's, it's saying, instead of uh, the gospel being the foundational principle of my life and that feeding up through my life, I'm going to take the commonalities of my world and, I, and I'm going to say, like, that's the way that I'm going to build this church. So when it's convenient for me, then I'll be a part of the solution to what's going on at the church. I'll be a part of the solution to fatherlessness out in, uh, out in Richmond when it's convenient. It's not costly. It's common. Everybody does that. Everybody says, I don't have time to do that. Everybody says, I don't have enough finances to give to, towards what God is doing. Everybody says, like, I, I don't have enough. I need more. That's common. Those are common things that we often look to. But what Paul is saying is he's saying, you got to use stuff that's costly. You got to use stuff that's costly. Like, what does the gospel of Jesus Christ deserve? What does the gospel of Jesus Christ deserve in your life? The, the God who, who gave everything for you, what does he deserve from you? What does he deserve in your life? preferential attitudes towards how the church is run and what church I'm going to go to and how I'm going to give to them and and things of that nature, that is common. What's costly is community. Community is costly. 
living in community. And so we, we'll have people who have been Christians uh, for years who don't engage in community or, or the preferences are just kind of like, ah, I don't, I don't really want to do that. But l- let me just tell you, community is costly. Like Jesus' gift on the cross was costly. Are, are you building with something that's common or are you building with something that's costly? Or are you even building at all? Some of you think that, oh, I'm a tiny house. I'm, just, I'm a tiny house. I'm on my own. But what Paul's saying is that you're not in a tiny house. You're in a condo. You're in a condo, and each one of us has a role to play in how this thing comes together. I know this well because I was talking with my mother's uh, condo folks the other day about their roof and realizing there's, everybody's got to speak into this thing as to how this thing comes together. Everybody has to take, have a role in how this place is, is taken care of. But too many of us think that somehow, like, I can be a tiny house, but God says that you're his building. You, the church, group of people. There's no way. It's an oxymoron to say, I'm on my own. I'm an individual. It's okay if I don't participate in the church. No, it's not. That's a lie. It's a lie because this, it's a rejection of God saying that you're my building and we're building this together. And do you know what takes place when we say that? You know what takes place when we say, I'm not going to have a costly role in building the church in this way. We say, I'm not going to have a costly role in that. Essentially, what we're saying is, you know what? Let's tear it down. Let's just tear it down. You don't know that you're saying that. You think, you think that you're saying, you know, I just don't like that. I, just, you know, I don't really want to be a part of that. I don't really have time for that. But what, what Paul goes to next, I think, is, is kind of interesting. He said in verse 16, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God's, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Who is you? Who is Who is you? When you come to the Bible and you read it and you go, oh, he's talking about me. I am God's temple. All right, perfect. No, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and he's saying, you, you people, you people, yeah, you people, all of you, you, sitting here, you, you and me, all of us. So I'm talking to the church, says Paul. I'm talking to every single one of you. Do you all not know this? That you are God's temple. You're God's people. You're it. God dwells in his people. He does not dwell in buildings. He is not a a singular, like just in one person, although he is a part of you, it's kind of complicated, but, but what he's saying here is he's saying God dwells in the church. His intention was that that was going to bring us together, that we would be this building and not a tiny house, and that God's Spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Now, let's, let's 
put aside the implications that feel like God's about to destroy me. Ah, put, put aside that for a second. When Paul looks at people who have preferences, and I'm not saying that preferences are wrong, but preferences that lead them to sin, to disengage, to not be a part of the church, to not build on that building, that foundation with things that are costly, but to bring things that are common. Here's my leftovers. Here's my, here's my stuff. Occasionally I'll come serve if it's convenient for me. Paul's saying this. You are destroying the church. And so here's the question. Are you building or are you breaking God's church? Are you building or are you breaking God's church? And I want you to ask yourself that. There's no one in my mind right now. I'm not thinking about you or you or you. No one's coming to mind. Are you breaking God's church? Are you destroying the church by bringing common things and saying, this is what matters? Saying, I want... I want to be flattered at church. Are you somebody who's breaking the church by saying, you know what, I don't, you know, I'm okay with this whole morality thing, but I'm not, I'm not good with this Jesus thing. That's destroying God's church, and it causes division. It causes people to separate. It causes disunity and as a result somehow it says that God will destroy him and I'll be honest with you I don't know how he's going to do that I don't believe that it means salvation I'm going to take his salvation he's talking to believers what I believe is this is that there will be some pretty harsh judgment for you when you refuse to engage with the church and the question is whether you will engage. And and I think the question that I have to ask is this, is that if you refuse to engage and life is always in the way or you're consistently saying, you know, I just, I need somebody to put on a pedestal. I just got to find that great pastor who's, he's just going to pastor me and it's going to be just me and this pastor and it's going to be, we're going to ride a tandem bicycle together and we're just going to enjoy, enjoy each other's company and we'll get coffee and he'll challenge me and I can't, I, I just can't be that for you. I just can't. And furthermore, it'd be sinful for me to look into that, to do that, to be your everything. The most gracious thing that I can do to you is uh, do for you is to say, I am not the Christ, but I have a community group leader that'll point you toward the Christ. I am not the Christ, but there's a group of elders that are fantastic guys and they would they'd love to speak with you. I am not the Christ. I am not Jesus. I am not here to build a name for myself. And so if you think my name sucks, so be it. That's fine. I'm not really okay with that, but I'll get over it, all right? I'll get over it. Jesus has got to be your foundation. I cannot say this any more seriously 
we do not understand how we are not making Jesus our foundation. Outward church. I'm not condemning you. I'm not saying that we're in a, a lot of trouble. I'm not saying that all of you are a, a bunch of jerks and you're not doing anything because I'm, I'm flabbergasted by the generosity. I am flabbergasted by the way that people are growing. But I'm just telling you this because I know my own heart. We are, we are people who have a constant appetite for tearing up churches. Let's get on the right foundation. Let's build with the right materials. And let's see God do something amazing. Let's see God do something incredible because he's the one who gives the growth, because he's the one who's, who's given us great leaders in our, in our churches, because he's the one who's given us everything. That's what it says at the end of the passage. Pray with me. Lord, forgive me for the ways that I have not trusted you in your word and have desired to flatter this congregation more than give them something that matters. Lord, I want to pray for myself and for all the leaders here at Outward Church that, Lord, that we would not give in to a desire that we have to build our own platform. But, Lord, I also pray over uh, our church, all of the people here who are leaders in their own rights, at least, at least leaders in their home, leaders of themselves. Lord, I pray that they would not give in to the pressure to look for somebody that's going to help build their identity. I pray that they would not be looking to a pastor to be their everything. Lord, I pray that when they, when they think of me, that, Lord, that they would think of me as a servant who's just tilling the soil, and I'm just throwing down, I'm just throwing the word out. And, Lord, I'm praying that our community group leaders and the people that are serving alongside of me, Lord, that they would water or that they would water what you, what you have sown through your word. Lord, I want to pray for those that, are, that, that really have their identity rooted in something other than you, which is most of us in here. That God, that you would, would convict and that you, that you would show that to us, but Lord, that you would also bring the comfort of your Holy Spirit to bear on our lives and to know that we are loved beyond any measure that we could possibly imagine. And Lord, that the greatest thing that you can do for us is to allow us to set down our identities that we think that we've made for ourselves and to look to you and to you alone as the one who can provide identity. Lord Jesus, we pray for this. Change us from the inside out. You're the one who brings the growth. We recognize that. Change us. Change me. Allow me to be a more godly husband. Allow me to be a more godly father. Allow me to be a more godly pastor. Allow me to be a godly citizen. Allow me to be somebody who loves and cares on people. Allow me to be somebody who's rooted in your gospel so much that I say, how can I not give back the most costly things in my life. It's in your name we pray, amen.